If you're going to get your coffee, get it now. Uh, We may uh, we may be the Baptist to lunch today. Uh, we're running early. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lay this congregation at your feet today. And I lay my own heart before you today. You have been faithful to us. You have given and given. And we love you. Thank you, Lord, for every single person that's here today. That that person will leave this place today changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> One of my favorite um, news commentators uh, is Trey Gowdy. I don't know whether any of you hear him or not, but I, I really like him. He's a former federal prosecutor from South Carolina and a member of the House of Representatives for a short while. And he has written a book entitled, Doesn't Hurt to Ask. He makes this very cogent point that we learn much more by asking than by assuming. Do you know anyone who gives information, advice, or counsel without knowing what the real need is? Let me ask that again. Do you know anybody that gives you advice, counsel, information without your really revealing what the need is? The central theme of this message today is that we learn by asking. It doesn't hurt to ask. We seek information, opinions, news, and answers by asking. Children learn this very early. After our family moved to Raleigh following four years in Fayetteville, we traveled to church in Fayetteville from Raleigh for seven years on Sundays and Wednesday evenings. Our youngest son, Josh, would position himself, this is before the rear seat, seat belts were required, but he would position himself between Paula and me. And as we rode, he would say, Daddy, what if we never knew where that child was going? <laughs> we didn't know what his next part of his question would be. But he was learning a lot of stuff over those years of travel. Daddy, what if? And he's 50 years old now, and he still comes to me and says, Daddy, what if? That's how he learns. That's how he gets what he wants. 
information-wise. We have our goddaughter who lives in Cary. Uh, she and her husband and two young boys. One is five years old, the other three. She recently reported that she was going home one evening with this five-year-old uh, in the back seat. And while they stopped at a stoplight, she was aware of this beautiful orange and pink sunset. She pointed it out to him. And he said, well, this is five years old. Well, shouldn't we pray and thank God for it? She said, of course. Thanked him for reminding her of that. She then prayed a short, what she called stoplight prayer. <laughs> and he said, no problem, Mom. I pray to God all the time. Like when I'm upset or when I see a flower or when someone gives me something. Just all the time. Shouldn't we? That's his question. His question was very simple. Shouldn't we stop and ask? Yeah. I've learned that in the Bible, it's really full of questions. And I think before the Lord quickened my heart about this, um, I was not aware of just hundreds of questions in the Bible. I've, I've lifted out a few and put them in roughly in some categories, if you can follow me this morning. Uh, they might seem random to you, and that's okay, because sometimes my head is random. But... Hopefully, you'll get a taste of the value of asking questions. One of the earliest questions in Scripture was asked in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3.1. As the serpent asked the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? That's Satan's question. He's obviously probing in an effort to confuse Eve, tempt Eve, and introduce confusion and deception into their conversation the first time. And it worked. Throughout Scripture, there are examples of temptation being introduced by a question. Where there is temptation, there is doubt and confusion. Luke tells us that John the Baptist, who had baptized Jesus and declared him to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he was thrown into prison. And from there, he sent someone to Jesus after he had declared who Jesus was. He sent these guys to Jesus and said, ask him. Ask him, are you, coming, are you the coming one or do we look for another? You hear what's in John's heart? He's into some doubt, isn't he? But what does he do? He asks for confirmation. Man's heart is constantly searching for the answer, the one. John was not exempt from doubt. 
and the endless search that all of us are involved in. In Numbers, we find that God is confronting doubt when he asked Moses, How long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe in me? After all the signs and wonders which I have performed among them, how long will they not believe in me? You see how God used Moses and gave Moses a chance to really think about all that God had done for him and for his people. Yet, they doubted him. But it was God's question that put the issue on the table for Moses by saying, how long? And one of the most frequent openings for many of these questions in the Bible that that I was seeing, it opens with, how long? I thought, that's really interesting. We see Elijah, for instance. He's on Mount Carmel, and he's talking to the people, and he says, how long will you halt or falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. He could have asked it this way. When are you going to make up your mind? You hear the probing nature of these questions. God is not reluctant about asking us this question. How long? How long are you going to wait? And we heard a word right here this morning. It's time to stop waiting. It's time to respond to the word of the Lord as he gives it to you. And he's saying to us, how long are you going to wait? How long are you going to be involved in things that distract, things that that take up your time when you could be giving that time to the service of the Lord? How long is it going to be? And the Holy Spirit is asking us this morning, how long is it going to take you to get where I want you to be? You know, another, another question in this doubt category is when Jesus approached two disciples on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection. His question to them was, question, what kind of conversation is this that you're having with one another as you walk and are so sad? What a question. You know, today this question to us is the same. What kind of conversation are you having? What are you saying to each other? What is coming out of your mouth? Is it redeeming, encouraging, faith-filled, consistent with the Word of God? It's exam time, folks. I don't know how many of you were here on Wednesday night, but you got a dose, thanks to Pastor Kimberly, about what's coming out of your mouth. So the question is, what kind of conversation are you having? First, with yourself. Do any of you talk to yourself? Yeah, okay. If you don't, you got a problem. Okay. But... 
what's coming out of your mouth is critical. Isaiah opened his 53rd chapter with this plaintive question. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is Isaiah, hundreds of years before our Lord came. But Isaiah is asking, who is it that has believed our report? And who knows? Who knows? The Holy Spirit had given him a revelation of the coming Messiah, but he was wondering if anyone was really listening to his words. Pastors, you know how that feels. To be giving the word and you're wondering, is anyone really listening? Is anyone really with their heart hearing the word that's being said? Jesus followed that up on that question that Isaiah was asking, and in John 12, he answered it. He said, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me would not abide in darkness. You know, I hope Isaiah heard that answer. I hope he heard it because that question is one for the ages. Who is listening? To the word of the Lord. Are you reflecting. That you are in fact listening. To the word of the Lord. Even after that declaration. From Jesus about being the light of the world. His disciples had questions about. How people were perceiving him. He answered. Their questions. With this question. But who do you say that I am? Talk about getting to the point with the question. Jesus is the best at that. He was so and is so good. If you open up your heart today, he'll ask you questions. But don't expect it to be some flowery, easy thing to answer. He's going to go to the heart of it. And he's going to say, so what do you think? What's going on in your heart? Thankfully, the Holy Spirit revealed the answer to Peter. Oh, hard-headed Peter. And he proclaimed, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Question asked, question answered. You see how Jesus worked? But opened up by the power of the Holy Spirit in Peter's mind that this is the Messiah. No matter how people are perceiving him, he is the Messiah. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. You know, another type of questions are the ones that test the one being questioned. The Lord tests you with his questions. Raymond, this is, this is Raymond's verse. Look at Ezekiel standing before the Lord in a valley of dry bones. What's God's question? Son of man, can these bones live? <laughs> 
And Ezekiel's looking at a bunch of dry bones. And God says, can they live? What was his response? He said, oh, Lord God, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was an honest, honest answer, which said from his heart, I have no idea. Has God ever asked you a question and you said, Lord, I don't know. I have no idea. This testing question, though, opened the door so that Ezekiel could experience God's great power. So God said to him in response to God, you know. He said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And a great army stood up in response to God's question. Ezekiel, can these bones live? God tells him, this is what you say. Prophesy. Tell the dry bones to get on their feet. And a great army arose. Folks, this is power in your hands as you respond to the questions that God is asking. Where will you go today? What will you say today? How many dry bones are you going to find? And say to them, rise and walk. And receive from the Lord. That's our duty today. And it began and begins with questions. Testing was such a part of Jesus' ministry. He used questions to get things done. A woman caught in adultery was brought to Jesus one day. And the leaders inquired what he would do to her under the law. And the law said she should be stoned, right? But they, they were finding out from Jesus what his point, what his opinion was. But Jesus basically answered their question with his question. Are any of you without sin? <clears throat> you see, are any of you without sin? Then let him cast the first stone. Guess who dropped the rocks? They did. Because not one of them was innocent of sin. His question just shone the light on them. They saw it. They walked away. And then Jesus asked another question. He asked the woman, Where are those who accuse you? In other words, do you believe what you just saw? The accusers are gone. Do you believe what God has done for you today? Do you believe that he raised you up out of the hospital and set you on two feet up here this morning? Hallelujah. Yes. Do you, do you believe what you saw? And our answer is yes. Do you believe that Christ died for you? Yes. yes. Do you believe that he empowers each one of you to do his will? Yes. Paul had a few testing words of his own. One day he went to Ephesus. And there he encountered some new disciples. And he asked them, really interesting, you know what the question is. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
Out of the blue, he asked this question to them. They were honest when they answered. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. It's real good to be, be honest with God. He asks you a question. You better not try to hide it. You tell him what the truth is in your life. We didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. So the door opened to Paul who laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues and prophesied. See, in response to that question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, this question is still being asked today. Some say the new birth includes the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Others say the spirit baptism is a second work of grace. You've heard that. We've seen some people being baptized in water coming up speaking in tongues. So they got it all at one whack. So, Paul's question is relevant to make sure that the Holy Spirit baptism is part of and necessary for your maturity as a believer. When he went to Ephesus and found those disciples, he knew He knew that there was something lacking in their life. And what it was, was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? No. Well, then they did. Turn their lives around. Here's another gem of a question from Paul. And it brings up another issue too. What shall we say then? Question mark. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Question mark. Whoa. Many people are asking that same question today when the grace of God is poured out. They ask if grace actually gives you a license to sin. You know what Paul's answer was? God forbid. God forbid that we would see grace as an open door to sin. And that's why he asked the question, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? His answer, God forbid. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This prompts a question. Is God's Word a priority in your life or just a sideline issue? That's my question of you, and it's His question to you. Is God's Word a priority in your life or just a sideline issue? Another, Another exam time. See, these questions... Are, are shining lights on what our thinking is, what our walk is, what our talk is. These questions are highlighting them so that we can say, thank you, God. I didn't see that. Thank you. I didn't hear that when, when it came across the first time, but I got it now. Thank you, God. You know, another category of questions is, Desperation prayers, desperation questions. 
Paul's on his way to Damascus to arrest some Christians and take them back to Jerusalem and probably kill them. And on his way, he, some say he got knocked off of his donkey. I don't know whether he was riding or not, but um, he got slammed, and he's on, he's on the ground. Jesus asked a question. Here he goes again. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul answers with a question back to him. Who are you, Lord? They're battling with questions now. He's beginning to get the point in this exchange of questions, though. Once Jesus identified himself to Saul, Saul, in desperation, asked the ultimate question. Lord, what do you want me to do? What a smart question. Now, in humility, he's ready to listen to the Lord. What a great exchange that was on that dusty road to Damascus. Paul, you're persecuting me. Who are you, Lord? And it finally comes down to Paul saying, you tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. And did Paul do it? Yep. And it began that day on that old dusty road with a question. You never know what's going to start up in your life by a question that comes from the Holy Spirit, either directly from him or from a brother or a sister. Paul and Silas later were thrown into jail for preaching the gospel. And in the night during an earthquake, their chains fell off and the doors to the prison opened and the jailer woke up and all he could do was decide to kill himself. Wouldn't you? I mean, you were responsible for that prison. And the chains fell off of all the prisoners evidently and all the doors flew open. He thought, I'm in some deep trouble here. So he decided to kill himself. Paul, in his sweet little way, says, don't do that. And the jailer cried out the question that multiplied millions have asked since then. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The world is asking now, what must I do to be saved? Who has the answer? Who has the answer to that? Raise your hand. It's living inside of you. You've heard it ever since you were that big. What must I do to be saved? The answer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved in your whole house. Bonus. Question mark. What must I do to be saved? You know, it's during some of the most desperate moments in our lives that we ask some of the best questions. We cry out to God. A lot of times our question is, why, Lord? Why? When, Lord? How long, Lord? Is this the way, Lord? What are you doing, Lord? All these questions we ask. And, and do we wait 
and listen for the answer? Or do we tear off trying to think, well, I, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. No. The simple answer for Paul was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And he did. And we need to do. Once the answer comes to us of our question, we need to get off of, my brother used to say, get off of your seat of do nothing and do something. Then this final desperate question asked by the martyrs in the book of Revelation before the throne of God. And here we hear a familiar refrain. How long, O Lord? There's that phrase again. How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? They're so desperate. They've been killed because of their belief and their walk with the Lord. And they're at the very throne of God and they say, Lord, how long? How long before this thing's over? Have you ever asked that question? How long? But you know, the answer came from Jesus. He said, Behold, I'm coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. He didn't dodge the question. They were asking, Lord, how long until you take charge? And he said, I'm coming quickly. You ready for that? If he's coming quick, not if, but when. He's coming. He's coming quickly. Are you ready? Is that a good question? You know, this hope that is coming that he's coming quickly. It sustains us in times of temptation and testing and doubt and desperation. Peter says, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks. Asks you the reason for the hope that is in you. Why are you hoping that he's coming quickly? You better be ready to answer that question because it's a good one. There are those who doubt and say he's never coming or his, del- his coming is delayed or, you know, on and on and on. Who believes that he's coming and coming quickly? Now, the definition of quickly will lead to the Holy Spirit, but he's quickening your heart to be expectant, to be full of hope, Because, folks, He is coming soon. In Hebrews, we find another question. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? There is no escape, folks. If you neglect the salvation that is presented to you by Jesus Christ, believing in Him, if you neglect it, you're lost. So, another exam opportunity. I'm going to close with with the words from an old song. Lorraine, this will be 
familiar to you. Not because you're old, honey, but uh, uh, you'll just remember the song. Okay. And it's interesting that this song is made up of questions. Why did I choose this song? Because it's made up of questions. And that's what we're talking about. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? In the soul-cleansing blood? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Will your soul be ready? For those mansions bright. Lay aside every garment that stained with sin. And be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. This morning, if you've not been washed in the blood of the Lamb, this altar is for you. It is open, and there will be people up here that will pray for you. And the question is, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And if you're not, come and get washed. Because that question will ring in your ears until you give in. If any of you experienced that, he doesn't ask it once. He keeps saying, are you washed? Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood? You better respond to that question because he'll aggravate you till you do. And I'm glad. I'm glad because there are so many out there that they'll hear that question and then they'll just step aside and go on their way. They don't get, a, they don't get away with that. We are praying for our children, for our friends, for our neighbors. Get them washed in the blood of the Lamb. Aggravate them, Lord, until they come to you. Keep asking them, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Don't be shy about asking the question. Because they're going to have to answer it either now or on the day of judgment. Because when they stand before the Lord and He says to them, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? If you're not, Left hand. If you are, right hand. He's going to separate them. Yes. We don't want anybody to go that way. We want to help them come to Jesus. And it may just be from your asking questions. Sometimes we don't have to preach to people. We can just ask people, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb. I want you to ask some questions, find some answers, and take it before the throne of God and say, God, what do I do with these answers? Give me the right questions. Help me to ask before I preach.
because I want to know what is that person's heart? What do they need? Where are they in relationship to you? Give me insight, discernment, and wisdom to know exactly what to say. Amen. Stand with me, please. Bow your heads with me for a moment, please. And let's just be silent before the Lord. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for this word. Thank you for these people who have open hearts today. Help us to know what questions to ask and what answers to give. Thank you for your peace, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. God bless you. The altar is open. The altar team will be here for you if you need prayer for anything. Other people saw you as dry. Testing, testing. Are you controlling the prayer lines? Praise God. What a word. Man, man, man. One of the best words I've heard, especially on that subject, is very, very powerful. I remember years and years and years ago, God asked me questions. He said, you know, today would be a good day for you to spend some time with me and ask me some questions because I know you you have questions for me. And finally, I stopped because I'd go, usually go to the beach, go swimming during summer school. But I, I knew I was running from God. And so the time came when I said, this afternoon, Lord, And he said, why don't you ask me some questions about eternity? Well, I just opened my heart to him.